Not rain, not snow, not high school football playoffs or crippling existential anxiety can keep the Lollygaggers podcast down for long. In this hour, Justin puts on his big boy astronaut pants and follows Sean Connery to space for 1981's Outland. Jeff, meanwhile, roots for the true good guy. And Chuck Norris's Lone Wolf McQuaid. Welcome to the episode number 71 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things, from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, buddy? Long time no talk. I know. We haven't recorded in like a month. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, I, I forgot what episode we are. We had a little bit of a, a hiatus as we couldn't get our schedules to jive because Justin's high school football team is being all like, remember the Titans and stuff. We're going to the playoffs. I thought yeah, you already we're, were in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're semifinals now. Nice. So we got one more till the big old one. We got a real tough game coming up here this Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I've just been so busy with all that stuff. I haven't even had time to watch any movies or TV, really. Yeah, so, yeah. I hope you uh, – I mean, we're not going to talk about The Mandalorian yet. We're going to do that next episode. But, uh, but like, you've started it, right? Yeah, I'm, okay. I think I'm one episode behind. I think there's only been three that's been released. Only three. So I, I think, think they, drop, they drop every Friday. Yeah, I think I'm one episode behind, but um, okay. I think it's a a very pretty show so far. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that, so, have yeah. you have you been diving into Disney Plus at all? Like beyond that, my wife has. Yeah, uh, I know. I can has, hear her. I can hear her in the back whenever uh, yeah. you and I are on Discord together. Basically, it's <laughs> it's whatever Christmas movies are on there. She's going to start watching those here soon. Right. Um, so I'm gonna have to go uh, physically injure whoever created Disney Plus. So I think that's that's the only yeah. option I have. It's interesting that you mention Christmas movies because uh, Hallmark Channel has been just dropping some Christmas movies left and right. I saw our old friend I mean, Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe. Mistletoe. Oh, so fantastic. Uh, good stuff. It's a good thing we're pausing the Gentleman's Challenge here for a little bit because otherwise I'm just gonna, I was just going to hammer home a bunch of Hallmark Channel movies just like left and right over and, and that's over. How- and, and that's how again. Justin died. So there's like, like there's like a Netflix movie that's being recommended to me, and I have no idea why. It's like it's like the night before Christmas or something, but it's K N I G H T something like that. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, why? Why are you recommend? All I do is watch like horror movies and like Marvel stuff, and I don't understand. Maybe it's so awful. It's terrifying. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe I was wrong. Maybe that it is a horror movie. That would be fantastic. So anyway, uh, we got a challenge that we're going to be tackling this week. Uh, we, it's interesting because the last time we, we rolled, it was a while ago, uh, but the combination that we got was the 1980s and then Westerns. But then here's what happened as Justin and I were looking through 1980s Westerns movies. We realized that there really weren't a whole lot of Westerns that we actually really wanted to watch. So we, it kind of evolved into... It's 19- like Young Guns, and that's it. Yeah, and like Lonesome Dove or some, some such, I don't know, like the miniseries or whatever. So we looked at it, and so basically it turned into 1980s Westerns, but not quite Westerns. And so that's that's the basic premise of this week. So we both picked movies to assign to the other that are from the 80s that have some sort of sensibility or thematic consistency with Westerns, but branches out somehow differently from it. And so... I think the challenge was better for it. So do you want to start first, buddy? Sure. That sounds, sounds good to me. Go so, for it. Uh, I'll, I'll kick this old uh, rust bucket off. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> all right. You, uh, you, uh, assigned me 1981's outland. I did. In uh, fact, 
written and directed by Peter Hyams. Yep. And it stars Sean Connery and Peter Boyle, who's the two most uh, notable characters. Peter Boyle is the yeah. uh, father from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond or Frankenstein, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It um, also has the guy from uh, from His Darker Materials. I've been watching His Darker Materials past few weeks on uh, on HBO. And the headmaster at the college is uh, is uh, the uh, the sergeant that uh, that goes bad. Really? Yeah, it's the same that. guy. Yeah, it's the same guy. Interesting. Yep. yep. Interesting. Anyways, uh, so basically, this is a western, but it's a space western. Um, it kind of falls along the same exact notes and points. Right. Of a a new sheriff comes to town to clean up the town situation. It's exactly. Literally the same exact story structure. It just it takes place on a Jupiter moon. So basically the movie takes place on a titanium mine on the moon of Jupiter called IO. And basically Sean Connery's character is O'Neill and he's a newly transferred marshal and he's like head of security for this mining facility. Um, he's kind of, he's been transferred multiple times. It's kind of wearing on his family and it's wearing on him. And people think he's kind of a, a do nothing, know nothing loser since he's been transferred so much. Anyways, he ends up on this new uh, mine, and his wife is tired of him choosing his job over his family, so she kind of leaves him, and she takes the kid with her. Um, he, as he's there, he befriends the station doctor, much like in a uh, western, how the sheriff befriends the the doctor in the town. Um, and when there's been like a lot of really mysterious uh, suicides on the mining facility. Um, people uh, just removing their their uh, their spacesuit compression, or just walking out into the uh, the 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 what is it, the compression chambers and stuff like that, just killing themselves. And when he examines one of the bodies after uh, a guy had basically assaulted a hooker and tried to kill her, he eventually was killed by his uh, his associate, his sergeant. He takes some blood from it, and you find that they have high levels of amphetamines in their blood system. And that's one of the reasons as to why that they're kind of losing their mind. So he goes kind of on a little detective thing where he tries to figure out, okay, well, if there's amphetamines in the camp, someone had to bring it in. So he finds out that there's been some drug smugglers. And the most convenient and easiest way ever is it was so simple how it happened. I can get ticky-tacky in this movie because um, it's like, how yeah. many people have criminal backgrounds? 17. How many had drugs? Two. It just so happened that those exact two were the two guys who were bringing, they were smuggling in the drugs and stuff like that. Hey, man, Occam's um, Razor, you know? Just sometimes, simplest answer is the best. Yeah, I guess. I don't uh, think Western movies, though, are really known for their complexity of plot, though, to be fair. Like, that's part of the allure, sure. I think, of Westerns, is the is the clear, like, white hat, black hat Who, who's, the, who's the bad guy? Who's the yeah. bad guy? Yeah. yeah. Just dealing with the morality uh, there, yeah. He, uh, he, he tracks one of the smugglers down, um... And the smuggler, they, they arrest him. He finds out his sergeant is on the take with the, um, with the general manager of the facility. Because basically, the general manager is funneling in drugs from basically a cartel so that he can up the productivity of his miners so the company is more pleased with him. And so he's kind of like funneling in this drug stuff. Um, so he kind of works with these two smugglers to bring him uh, drugs to the food crate system so that he can then distribute it to the workers and get better profits. So um, Sean Connery's character confronts the sergeant about it. He finds out he's in on the take. And then both the prisoner and his sergeant get killed. Um, he finds drugs in a shipping container. 
he too almost gets killed, and uh, but he was prepared for it and he stops the guy. Um, trying to see what else here. Uh, he then bugs the general manager who's played by Peter Boyle's name, Shepard. He, he, bu- he bugs Shepard's communications to find out two men are coming to kill him to kind of like deal with the problem. So they're bringing like the equivalent of a couple bounty hunters to come in and clean up the, the sergeant trying to shake things up. Um, and uh, he, there's a big sequence. It's about 30 minutes of how he kind of like traps them in certain places. He gets one thrown out of a, a, a like a, a walkway through, you know, breaking open the air seal. And then he takes one to the greenhouse, which is might be one of the dumbest ways that a guy could have died. Um, he basically like takes something, throws it outside, and it causes motion, which makes the guy shoot at the motion, shoot the glass, right. and burst open the glass to kill him. Did you see? Did you really follow what happened in that scene after the explosion and all the plants were flying out? Did you actually watch what happened to his body? Yeah, yeah, it explodes like a little. It a just little, liquefies. Little, it just turns into Kool Aid. Yeah, like, it was. Like, I'm like, wait, I don't think that's how that works. But all right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it any of it works because a lot of people have died by exploding. Um, right. And I think it's been proven that that's not what happens anymore. Like, there's no like super decompression in your body. I like how when the heads explode, it was basically them screwing around with the lens and not like yeah, sort of yeah, 3D. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 3D like prosthetic or anything like that. Yeah, just them fun. stretching the lens. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like it was a, so funny. Like lens. I'm like, oh hey, that's actually that's pretty inexpensive. Okay, yeah. Scanners did something else entirely different when they when they did that movie. Yeah, yeah. They just exploded some meat. They actually thing. blew up a dude's head. True. True fact. It Look it real. up. Look it, it up. These are facts. Um, so basically, he stops those guys, and then his new sergeant, who was watching, who was watching after him after his original sergeant was killed, uh, betrays him at the end, and you just reveal that that's the guy from His Dark Materials, the headmaster. Um, and uh, he, they had the slowest fight ever um, outside of the ship because, like, the gravity of Io is like one sixth the gravity of earth so what kind of reminded me of remember that episode of uh family guy where the two old people fight like the nazi and yes. uh, mr herbert fight it really yes. reminded me of that <laughs> so okay it's just like very slow punching and very slow there um then he meets shepherd back at the bar um and he just punches him in the face like old western style and he eventually uh everything gets back to normal and he goes back to his family and there's a whole underlying thing of like he feels like he was sent here because people think that he's a screw up and that he would probably just fall in line with the situation that was at hand and him kind of cleaning up this area is not only proving to others, but proving to himself that he's not the person that everyone thinks he is. So a lot of his motivation between this whole thing was like, I'm better than what people think of me. And I need to kind of prove it with my actions by cleaning up this, this corrupt money facility. And even though everyone is against them and it's the odds are kind of, not in his favor at all. So that's kind of like the underlying thing. So overall, I thought it was good. Um, I was very enthralled the whole time, even during very long and almost painstakingly long shots of like guys walking through tunnels and stuff like that. But the music was great. The score is fantastic. The story is great. Sean Connery isn't too old in this yet. Um, so it's not like a geriatric fighting some younger men is i thought he was very believable and i think he did a really really good job yeah um yeah. i like the twist of it being literally just a new sheriff in town cleaning up a bad city but now it's just a new marshal in a mining facility cleaning up the mining facility so it's like literally the same exact outline but in a cooler way and i love that look i know you like it too of like this analog futuristic world of gritty of, rugged you know, alien yeah. style like like very like alien style yeah the, the color yeah. was very much like aliens 
Absolutely. The um, the 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 technology is very analog and you know wired phones and stuff and because that's what they thought the future is going to be back then. But like right. looking back on that style, I think it's a cool like it's really cool it's, retro it's future. Like cyberpunk. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. It's it's like it's it's weird if you think about like the old pop science fiction and what that kind of retro futurism looked like and how it depicted like you know Buck Rogers and all that kind of stuff. And then you look at like modern day stuff when we flash forward, we see like you're saying like like everything's kind of chrome and sleek to some degree, even if it's dystopian in some way. But then you have this middle ground between like the 70s and I think the 80s where it's just like this dark kind of corporate driven, corporate fueled, but everything's kind of grimy. I love that stuff. Yeah, and like yeah. hazy lighting. Yeah. And, to and me, like... to me, I equate it between the difference between like Empire Strikes Back type of technology and the way the, the ships look and then like Phantom Menace stuff and Attack of the Clones and like that disparity between the two so and it's interesting that you're mentioning like we're mentioning alien and stuff because i just got the physical copies of my alien rpg so uh we should play that soon uh but anyway um i also really like it like space westerns are my favorite westerns to be honest like i always prefer uh, i don't know why like i love like the firefly serenity cowboy bebop you know i kind of put a lot of those in sort of the same but it's not even that stylized like no, that type of stuff's really stylized this is just like no this is just it's legit a, it's a mining good, facility yeah. it's yeah. just a it's just a, a, a kind of dank place, not mm-hmm. lots of color, not lots of fun pew-pews. Also, there's also one other, now that I bring up pew-pews, there's one other thing that doesn't make any sense. Okay. Um, when, he's, when he's fighting the uh, other sergeant outside, the sergeant has a shotgun outside. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't work because you need oxygen to make a shotgun work. And so that was kind of like I have no was, idea if that's true or not. Uh, but I, I I do think though, again, not a scientist. Uh, but wouldn't the force of the blast kind of also? Yeah, it have, would make him fly fly yeah. backwards. That was the biggest thing I shoots had. at him because I yeah, think you can. Like, I think you actually can shoot certain guns like underwater or in a in a zero g environment. Well, like it would like, propel him backwards. Yeah. At such that's a what force I, and that, that's fly. that's where I got caught up on. I'm like this this yeah. doesn't seem that seems dangerous. But, you know, it's 1981. And, and also, like, wouldn't your fingers head. be so bulky that you wouldn't be able to get your yeah, finger you can't put into it the trigger? It'd yeah. be impossible. Yeah. So, like, there's a, there's a slight level of suspension of disbelief. But, like, yeah, put that little stuff aside. It's it's not bad. Like, also, like, how, why is it so easy to just remove a tube from someone's helmet? Stuff like that. You know, well, like, that like, that fight went on a really long time without anyone, either one of them realizing that's what they could easily do. Like, oh, it, we got it went on a little too far, like, oh, and they're right in front like this. I mean, to be fair with that point, like, I don't think those suits are designed for people to get into zero G in space no. fights with. Like, they're there for all, all suits are made for that. Every suit <laughs> in the world meant zero G fights. So, as a whole, I thought it was great. Um, I watched it pretty recently, and there wasn't a single moment where I was, like, bored. The story kept going right. and it was it was pretty well paced and Sean Connery does a good job. Like, I, I'll say this, like I've seen this multiple times. I remember seeing it when I was younger. I've I've told the story of watching movies on my neighbor my neighbor's old tiny TV. This was one of those. But I'll say this that I do feel like modern sensibilities, there were times in which certain scenes could have been sped up pretty significantly. Like I I felt like, hmm, this is going on a little longer than it could. Like so, when the guys were coming into the Yeah. The it just felt but like I think yeah. I think honestly, I think that was actually a really good build of suspension. Yeah. Cause like you knew it wasn't gonna keep, gonna be good what's happening. And I thought they were trying to build that tension in that whole scene. But you're right, I think it could be sped up but then you could also argue well in modern technologies and modern stuff like that they're gonna do 
quick jump cuts and kind of ruin the sure the um the the feeling and the the ambiance they're trying to create at the movie that's all i can say about that but it's just a good movie it's a good solid movie there's there's definitely nothing no major flaws like everything is sort of more nitpicky uh there's nothing in it like all the the acting performances were were solid were strong there there's one we'll get to later in the quiz that i'll talk about in a minute but like overall, I think the the actual movie itself is it holds up pretty well, and uh, I, I certainly recommend it to anybody who wants to watch a, a pretty down to earth science fiction uh, movie without like a lot of science. Like it really doesn't get into that too much. It's more about like you were saying, like the Western story beats. It's just a different setting for the same exactly. idea. Exactly. Yeah, the and it, but it's it's, it's amazing how refreshing though it is to see that type those type of story beats presented in a way that's that's yeah. different. You know what I mean? The only thing is, it sure seems like everyone has to type with one hand on the insert home and page up buttons on their computer. Listen, listen, oh. I don't think typing <laughs> skills had really come into play, but you're right. And like the interface of the computers was pretty fun. Like, like that's a pretty, that's a pretty smart interface. You're typing in kind of complex strings and questions and somehow the AI of that computer is recognizing what you mean, like your colloquialisms and your formality and still returning what you need. But I do like how slow, like how it couldn't just give you a list of the names that he was looking for. It ha- how a, it had to list each name, and it took a really long time. And then the images that brought up. So, it, but again, that's retro. You know, the retro future. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. we're looking at it from the lens of people. You know, we've got phones that have far greater computational capacity than the computers that they were dealing with in 1981. So, but great movie, 1981. Are you ready for your quiz? Uh, I think I'm pretty ready. Okay, so I got five questions for you, a couple couple follow-ups. Question number one. In the kitchen fight scene, Sean Connery's head is nearly dunked into what? Be as specific uh, as possible. Boil, boiling french fries and oil? That is that is correct. Here's the but, follow-up. Here's my, here, here's my thing, though. He dunks his hand into boiling something, right? Right. And it's brown. Right. Would that just be boiling oil? I'm and not, I'm not sure what it was. Because holy moly. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's definitely gonna. I mean, I've had. I've, I worked in the kitchen for a while, so I've had some pretty crazy burns before. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think he could have probably just dump, you know, dumped the pan over. It would have probably been more efficient than. That's him. exactly what I was thinking too. I think yeah. like just take the pan, and throw it on the ground. That's exactly what I gotta do. Okay, so here's the follow up question: Is being drowned to death in a deep fryer making French fries the perfect way that you, Justin, want to go out of this world? I mean, it'd be the best smelling way to go out. Um, I think the only other way is if afterwards my head was dunked into uh, ketchup and mustard and consumed <laughs> by, the per- by the person who dunked it in there. So no no mayonnaise for you? You're not going to go Canada? You, you know? know, sometimes I'll do a little bit of a mix, you know. Oh, that's disgusting. No. Mayonnaise no. and barbecue sauce. That stuff's good. I don't know if you ever tried that. Uh, so. That's gross. Uh, I want to so live good. past 40. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, there we go. They got question one right. Good job. Uh, so what does Shepard do to keep the workers happy? And again, as specific as possible, please. Um, they work very hard and they play very hard and we give them their space. Um, that's the generalization? Yeah. Not specific but enough. But I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you 0.25. You're referencing a different a different scene, and I do know the scene that you're talking about because I, I kept thinking, work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard, <laughs> like that stupid commercial. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, he uh, he doesn't water down the booze. He keeps the hookers uh, clean, yeah, 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 and yeah. some of them are even good looking. So that's what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's when he has like his first like meeting with them. Okay, so 
What did the guy who died uh, the third time, like the third death in the movie, uh, the one where they were able to actually get a blood test done on him, what did he have for dinner? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, he didn't oh, have vegetables. Billy. He didn't have vegetables. Okay. I know that. Um, he had his proteins and meat. All I remember is he didn't have his vegetables because he got pretty detailed with it. That's when she was like, Pressing the same three buttons over and over yes. to go further into the yeah. Yes, is that I your final answer? He didn't eat vegetables. Okay, that's all I can remember. Yeah. I'm gonna give you half credit because it was protein, carbohydrates, more carbohydrates, and he didn't eat his vegetables. So you mentioned protein, you mentioned vegetables. I'll give you half credit. Okay, here we go. Next question. With so the th- with the third guy that died, what do you think is the most likely cause of death? This super amphetamine that Shepard's been proliferating around the station to improve worker, uh, you know, worker ability, or the fact that he walked barefoot throughout a shared public bathroom with a couple other hundred dirty, nasty minor types. What do you think's more likely cause of death? Which one was this? Is this one with the hooker? The third guy. This is the guy with the hooker. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I prefer prostitute, but that's fine. Hooker is is the terminology in the movie. But uh, but yeah, when he went to get the drug. Remember they did that little yeah, handoff yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. he walked through a freaking public bathroom. I mean, into a bathroom stall in his underwear. And he in like, there's a bunch of people around who were nasty and mm-hmm. he was barefoot. I'm just saying, what I mean, do you think is more like athlete's foot does claim the lives of at least 70,000 people a year. Okay, um, I, just I recently, foot. no, it's, uh, but like it's, but specifically athlete's foot. I've been doing a big research project on it. 70,000 people die a year per for athlete's foot. So I think that that is more dangerous than even the shotgun blast he took to the ship, the chest. So I would say that his foot problems, like what if he bangs his toe, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. bangs his toe, small cut right there. You're having some problems with some infections, blood infections. I mean, he's just so very cavalier. I think drugs is the least of his problems. Oh, Justin, you're so close to getting it right. You even mentioned the right answer, but then you went the wrong way. You should have said no. The leading cause of his death was getting a shotgun shot to his chest. That's what because that's what killed him. I was trying to trick you, then I didn't trick you, and then you tricked yourself. It was the the secret C. Oh, buddy. Oh man, I'm very impressed with you. You you certainly seem to have watched the movie and paid attention, so that's really good. Okay, it was good. I enjoyed it. Final question. How many souls do you think O'Neill's son consumed during the course of the movie? And how many more would he have had to consume in order for his video conference with his father to actually sound convincing? So <laughs> O'Neill's son is this creepy looking dude who looks like he he just eats people's souls. And that's that's just what he lives off of, right? And and his name is Paul. Whatever. I think it's probably something and Latin and demon like. And then, like, they have this, like, video conference call that, quite honestly, like, his lines were some of the worst lines I've ever, I've ever watched in a movie. Like, I they love were just, you, Daddy. Oh, God. <laughs> it was so That's creepy. how I heard it. Mommy. Heard it? And the, the dude's, like, 12, like, <laughs> or 9. I don't know how old he was, but, like, he was certainly. Mom says that we sleep for a year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And then that creepy last line, too, where he's writing his wife. He's like, look forward to sleeping with you for a year. I'm like, yeah. All right, that's gross. Your son's I'm right sure. next to you. What the hell's yeah, wrong with you? Kind of, well, clearly, he's a product of his. Um, yeah. Uh, the way I like to see it, every Sean Connery movie is just him being 007 in different places. Um, Highlander, okay. he's 007, um, the Spanish 007, right? Okay. Uh, in The Rock, he's 007 that got caught 
which that's a theory by the way that he's actually 007 the whole time from the rock um league of extraordinary gentlemen he's just a really sharp shooting 007 that hangs out with dr jekyll mr Alan Quartermain. yes i believe that that he is the the bastardized son of 007's misgivings created by the devil himself Hmm. that's that's what i think that's what i think so he's he's this curse upon the world of his womanizing and slapping of women over the years so it's just his curse just another really interesting answer super creative uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, I was looking for a number. I very clearly said how many souls. Uh, I was just, uh, 42. Uh, 42. That's the magic it's, number. It's, it's too late. That is that that would have been the correct answer had that been what you what you said. But I'm going to have to go ahead because you. you really, so you started off really strong. You got. Yeah, let's see. You got one. We got point five. Carry the five. Got another point five. Seven. That's two. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you a point five for the last one. So I'm going to say two point five out of five. 0.5 you know, five is the final score. That's pretty for good. For a movie I'm really into, that's pretty that's, good. That's, I mean, yeah. even for a movie that you're not into, that is nonetheless really, really good. All right. Let me talk about my crap. Uh, so, <laughs> 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 all right, my turn. Uh, so, Justin assigned me the 1983 movie Lone Wolf McQuaid. I'm not going to put anything in front of it. I'm not going to say action, crime, drama, thriller. I'm not going to say kung fu, extraordinary adventure. I'm just going to say. It was a movie, and it was from 1983. It's directed by Steve Carver, who directed other movies that are very similar in the sense that who cares? Uh, it was written by B.J. Nelson. Good for him uh, or her. I don't want to suggest anything. Uh, you know, and uh, the cool thing about this movie is that it stars Commander Chakotay uh, from Star Trek Voyager. And uh, David, it does. It, I thought it yeah. was really weird. Also has David Carradine, so it's got Bill from Kill Bill. It's got the guy from Christy Brinkley's Total Gym commercials, uh, which is interesting. I wrote up a couple different ways to start my summary of this movie. That was one. Another one was like, hey, it stars Commander Chakotay, David Carradine, uh, the guy from Kung Fu. And then a man made of entirely body hair. That was uh, that was another option I had. <laughs> and then another option. Uh, it was uh, it stars Commander Chakotay, uh, David Carradine, uh, and uh, the human embodiment of machismo slash testosterone. Uh, that's kind of kind of what I thought of it. Uh, it's that. a Chuck Norris movie. If, if you haven't put that together yet, uh, if you did, sorry. Uh, this is this isn't going to be a very friendly review. So Lone Wolf McQuaid is the name of the movie. It follows the exploits of K.O., who's played by Robert Beltran, also known as Commander Chakotay, as he ascends the ranks of law enforcement in Texas, circa 1983, having to deal with all sorts of corruption, managerial, uh, managerial abuse, racism, and a lack of qualified superiors from whom he could model appropriate behavior and best practices for a law enforcement officer. He is nearly killed... When his first supervisor boldly charges headfirst into a group of horse thieves, again, <laughs> it's 1983, and they're chasing horse thieves. Uh, that both, uh, so, so his supervisor dies by chasing headfirst at this group of horse thieves in 1983 that both outnumbers them and outguns them, only be to be saved by a reckless Texas Ranger whose delayed actions likely resulted in the death of K.O.'s immediate supervisor. And later, when the chief of police, and I like to refer to him as Commissioner Gordon, assigns K.O. to this reckless, day-drinking Texas Ranger who saved him, known as McQuaid, hence the, hence the name, uh, well, that Ranger doesn't necessarily take well to being assigned this other person. 
to to sort of uh, model to to be his uh, his Murtaugh to Ko's rigs. Ko has to endure both verbal and physical abuse, rejection and endangerment by the very man who is supposed to quote teach him the ropes. Ko has to persevere through racial harassment from the locals in Texas and demeaning hazing <laughs> and um. demeaning hazing from his immediate supervisor. At one point, even getting into a car accident because of the intentionally reckless behavior of McQuaid, who just wants to go fast. And it is only when McQuaid uh, actually needs things done, such as computer research, because he's a big dumb idiot and doesn't know how to type. Uh, for instance, and then you also punch a computer, <laughs> and then yeah. also when he needs someone to babysit a witness, that Ko is finally given some semblance of responsibility, and during the course of completing these many tasks in his training as a junior officer in this Texas Ranger Corp, McQuaid actively encourages and requires Ko to perform legally, ethically, and morally questionable behavior, acts like wrongful imprisonment torture and a black ops mission into Mexico that realistically could result in a domestic incident all because McQuaid picks fights, gets his daughter kidnapped, doesn't understand that the woman he's sort of banging isn't all on the up and up and uh, but luckily KO survives. Uh, I like to think that he goes on um, in, a, in a kind of continual universe to ascend to a higher ranks of Texas Rangerdom and that sometime in the 90s, uh, he uh, he joins Starfleet. And uh, then, he, yes, he has that problem with the McKee, and he kind of joins them for a bit. And then in this weird little mission where they get far-flung to a completely different section of space, quadrant of space, he then kind of joins up right, with Captain Janeway and just becomes um, commander of the Star Trek, or the, Star, the Starship Voyager. So, Jeff, I, I don't know. I, I thought... <laughs> I that's, thought this movie was that's more my based summary. on that's my that summary. Chuck Norris is a badass and beats people up. This is a this is a movie. Got <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought the hero of the story was Ko, and this 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 guy Steve Carver, this director, kept trying to force feed uh, McQuaid as the hero. Even Chuck freaking Norris didn't like a lot of the behavior because one of the intentions behind this particular movie was to like dirty up Chuck Norris's like goody two shoes image. So he grew like a beard and I guess a bunch of fa facial hair and he drank beer during the day. And he, he basically was just walking macho. That's all he was. The amount of times that Chuck Norris didn't have his shirt on. I, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of times. Yeah. But is that a complaint though? But who, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It was weird. Cause I just feel like this is the type of movie that really targets a very specific crowd, a very specific macho loving crowd. And, and it's like Chuck Norris with his shirt on all the time. Who knew that there was such a wonderful Jeff, Venn diagram. You're, tell <laughs> you're telling me that you don't think it's super cool and manly to watch other men's bare chest no, I mean, sweaty and I'm fine with while it. Fighting others. I'm personally fine with it because I think the human form is beautiful, uh, regardless. I mean, not <laughs> not yours, but like Chuck Norris's. Oh, okay, sure. Okay. I mean, not mine either. Don't worry. Uh, I have a lot of self-loathing as well. So like the story. OK, so here's the story. Like Chuck Norris, he plays he plays McQuaid. He plays the lead. He plays the lead guy. He's a Texas Ranger. He's a former Marine. He's a big tough guy. He, if you when you think a tough guy, multiply that by fifty, and you got Lone Wolf McQuaid, and he works on his own. And now, when I said in the beginning about him saving Ko and stuff, when Ko's idiot supervisor charges them with a bunch of horse thieves, that really happens. So he saves he saves Ko. Ko becomes like his 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 trainee, but McQuaid isn't having any of it because McQuaid's a lone wolf. 
McQuaid has an ex-wife and a daughter, but he's on great terms with that ex-wife, and he's on great terms with his daughter. Uh, they look like they're moving soon, and that's kind of a, a, a nerve-wracking thing for him that he's seeing a change of his life uh, start to happen before him. Uh, they start investigating a couple different things here and there, but mainly there is a there's a woman by an actress by the name of Barbara Carrera who is like the love interest in this movie. Uh, she plays Lola Richardson, who is the widow of a man who a big a big businessman in Texas who recently died, uh, who was partnered with David Carradine's character, whose name is Raleigh Wilkes. Raleigh Wilkes uh, is a martial arts champion but also like the big businessman who's dealing with the drug cartels and stuff in Mexico. And he is trying to get like all sorts of drug shipments, et cetera, et cetera. Now throughout the course of the movie, JJ McQuaid is investigating this guy. He's kind of getting into this little love thing with Barbara Carrera, uh, with, L- with Lola Richardson there, excuse me, the character's name. And every now and then whenever McQuaid and Raleigh Wilkes see one another, because we all know Chuck Norris apparently knows martial arts and stuff. Who would have thought uh, they all, they like, they basically stare each other down and sniff each other's butts for a little bit until very, very, very late in the movie. They finally have their climactic fight scene, which by the way, they did without any stunt uh, stunt men. They did. It looked a little geriatric, but that's okay. I mean, it was still pretty good uh, for the most part. So throughout the course of the movie, like they're getting witnesses and things like that. Sure, sure, sure. And the stuff about beating witnesses up and intentionally like like stealing them and hiding them from like federal, like like the FBI and stuff like that. That all happens. Like everything I said happens. It's like it's the worst police procedural movie I've ever seen in my life. Like if if NY, if this happened on NYPD Blue, there's no way Sipowitz would have made it to Sergeant. Like there's just no way it would have happened. He would have been dismissed. Me. I'm telling you. Sipowitz is suspended for these actions. <laughs> I don't believe you. No, oh, I love Sipowitz. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters of all time. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the the movie continually escalates as we all know it's it's leading towards a Chuck Norris, David Carradine final fight. Uh, there's also a little person. Uh, I'm trying to find his name. Um, it's been a couple weeks since I... Oh, Falcone, uh, who's played by Daniel Frisch, uh, who runs like a... He sort of he he partially runs a like a horse racing uh, um, horse racing venue and was was like one of the other partners with Raleigh, but Raleigh kind of forces him out, and so there's that that goes on. I, I honestly feel like they put him in here just because they because it was like early '80s and they wanted to kind of exploit a little person and they wanted to be like, oh, look at him evil because apparently like little people are evil. I don't know. It was really kind of weird and awkward, um, and uh, eventually. The other escalations that happen are that J.J. McQuaid's, uh, his own like superior, the guy who kind of helped him, the guy by the name of Dakota, he gets killed. Uh, then McQuaid's daughter gets kidnapped by uh, Raleigh Wilkes. And this all leads towards McQuaid and K.O. and a couple other people uh, heading down to Mexico to rescue the daughter from this encampment. And there's like grenades and there's all sorts of crazy fire. By the way, this movie has the most accurate, like automatic, like Uzi type shooting I've ever seen in my life. I always thought that those were relatively spray crazy guns, but no, 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 no. You can be precise with them in this movie. Uh, Long story short, Lola Richardson, she's killed saving McQuaid and says, I love you as she dies. And he like a dick doesn't say it back. Like, even if you don't mean it, still say it back. She, she's dying. She just took a bullet for you and dying. He saves his daughter. And then uh, at the very end of the movie, as he's back in town, uh, 
KO is still alive. Thankfully, the hero's there, and he's trying to convince uh, McQuaid to come help him with some sort of uh, some sort. I think it was a hostage situation at a bank. I think I think maybe the you know the ex presidents or something like that were robbing and trying to get their surfing money. And uh, and he was he was trying to decide: Do I go do that, or do I help my ex wife and my daughter move to New Mexico, like I said they were? And then he goes and he's like, "Screw it, I got to go help." gotta go help these bank robber people get caught and stuff and then the ex-wife is just like oh you're never gonna change and she says it all smiling like because that's a good thing whereas i watch that and i feel like that's kind of a bad ending shouldn't he actually have learned something from the course of this particular movie and the experiences he had and maybe actually change and improve his behavior but hey that's not exactly what happened so what do i think of this movie i hate it uh, this movie embodies everything I hate about these types of movies. I now I want to stress I love kung fu movies, I love martial arts movies, I love I love all that kind of stuff. I'll watch a Bruce Lee movie any day of the week. However, uh, I hate ultra machismo, ultra macho movies. I can't stand them. I've never liked them. Never I never liked that idea of like these tough and rumble men are just super tough, tough, tough. I'm so tough. I'm tough, tough, tough. You know, and that's exactly what this movie is. It's presented in such a way that that he is just so tough and so ridiculous that I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. I, I'd never liked the character. The only character that I thought was at all interesting was KO, which is why I focused the summary around him, even though he was actually a small uh, supporting character, but I hated it. I don't know. What did you think of it? Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, it's that time of the world, that time of cinema where like, there was just like, it was almost like, I guess the best way to describe it would be like action exploitative movies almost. I, I don't know. I just think like it's I don't know if it's exploitive of any any one particular thing in a way that I would like freak out about. It just you know, it just it's just it's a few things if we judge it from today's lenses, yes, there's things that it does that I think are like, ooh, well, we probably shouldn't do that anymore. But in eighty three, I don't think it was doing any one thing that was particularly terrible. I just don't like these kinds of movies. Like I just don't. Like I just this his character is is silly. It's it's silly. I think of Kurt Russell's character from Big Trouble in Little China, and I love Big Trouble in Little China. And he is ultra machizo man. But you know what? We you know what's funny about that movie. They make fun of him for it. Like he's ridiculous because of it, because of how stupid it is. It's almost like a satirization of that particular character. And I and now that I watch McQuay, like Barnaby wonders, like maybe he was watching a lot of these these Chuck Norris movies. The problem is, is that this movie takes it a hundred percent seriously. And as if like the presentation of this, like this way of life and who he is and these horrible things that he does, because he does horrible things like his his practices are so bad. He should not be on the Texas. He should be arguably in jail, not as like a cop, like he should not be a cop. Like his practices are terrible. Everything he does is wrong. And yeah, I just I don't know. I hated it. It just it just really frustrated me to watch it. And I hope I never watch it again. I, I'm not a huge Chuck Norris fan. Uh, but of all the Chuck Norris movies I've ever seen, this is the worst one I've ever seen. Uh, and this did somewhat inspire Texas Ranger, uh, which came out 10 years later, but it's, I was thinking that by the way, yeah, it's a completely different character, uh, because like there were rights issues related to McQuaid. So they couldn't actually just make it McQuaid. Uh, Chuck Norris does credit this as being the movie that helped transform him into a more mainstream actor because prior to this, it was mostly just pure martial arts movies. And this one, he was doing other things as well. And so this whole Walker, like this whole Texas Ranger thing kind of allowed him an avenue towards something else. So it worked out well for him, which is great. Good for him. But uh, yeah, I just, man, I really don't like it. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I don't really feel like I, I can keep saying how much I don't like it, but some people will love it and good for them. And I, if you love this type of movie, if this is, sounds like like super, super ridiculous over the top, but in, in an ultra serious way, 
then this is for you, but not for me. Well, I'm glad I could expose you to I you. Hate you. ready for your quiz? Yes. Yes. All right. So first question, and I think you already talked about it. Could you explain the proper procedure to arrest and secure horse thieves? Could you explain <laughs> okay, the here's, proper way to Here's what you do. You get a bunch of guys. They don't have to be good at their jobs. They, they, it'd be better if they look really unimpressive. Like their physique is just, you look at them and you're like, eh, I could take that. And then you, you make sure that you're outnumbered. You make sure that they have better weaponry than you. And you make sure that you run at them from an angle in the middle of nowhere that they can clearly see you coming. And then when they're not really paying attention to you, you shout out really loud so that they're very clearly paying attention to you now. And then that's where they can surround you with more people and better weaponry and a willingness to actually pull triggers and stuff like that. So that's the way you get horse thieves. And honestly, side note, 1983, horse thieves? I had no idea that horse theft was such an issue in 1983. I didn't know. I'm going to give you 0.75 because here's why. You forgot the tail end. The tail end of this. I watched this three weeks ago. You kept canceling on me. you, You then have a Texas Ranger show up and just kill indiscriminately. And knock out the teeth of those. I don't know who it was indiscriminately though, because at that point, all of the cops were like being like the guns were being pointed at them. The guy was the guy, with, yeah. the guy with the farmer's tan and a vest that clearly showed his arms, which makes you wonder how he got the farmer's tan. Uh, he was clearly on the on the, on the verge of killing all of them, but that's fine. So I'm about to give you 0.75 because there was lots of murder of those who weren't trialed. Sure. So um, sure. it's very important to put that in. Yeah. Okay, so next question. There's a lot of wispy hair, facial hair, and chest hair in this movie. Who has the best combo out of all the characters? Uh, Dakota, because his mustache is amazing. The older man, uh, his mustache, uh, L- uh, it's LQ Jones. LQ Jones's mustache, this, this bright white, it was beautiful. It was, ab- it, was, it was so majestic. It was like a Christmas morning, right? It's, it's, I don't know how you it's like it, a Bing but... Crosby freaking song made into facial hair. I don't know how he did it, but that's exactly how I described it too. Ben Crosby. <laughs> um, but he also had old leathery chest too, which yeah. is good to go on top of it. Yeah. Because very because most I think the standard procedure in this movie was each person is to have their shirt unbutted at least to three buttons at all times. Yeah. So um yeah. All right. So you got one, right? Um next question. The informant that they tie to a wagon wheel and torture. Right. Why is he working for the Mexican mafia? I don't know. Uh, I think I think it's because Mexico has a better health insurance system than we do, and he really needs to get LASIK and or contacts because he was using these old it's school fishbowl like glasses. Yeah. yeah, and uh, maybe he just really wanted a he just couldn't get a proper medical plan working at any sort of like Texas Walmart or something like that. So he he went with the, that's a very very yeah. inventive answer. Uh, however, it's because they threatened to kill his son. I, I, I think it's close, but I, I just can't uh, uh, reward you with points. I don't believe that he has a son. I think that's a lie. I think he just thinks he does. I think he's really oh, just looking at a cardboard cutout like a, or maybe, like a, a, or maybe a shrubbery or something like that. Yeah. All right, next question. How does McQuaid know this country? Like How, how well does he know the countryside of Texas? Um, like I'm sure you're asking for a specific quote. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But again... Three weeks ago, I watched this movie, <laughs> and you kept you kept canceling and pushing it back as your damn high well, school Jeffrey, football. Well, that's the wrong answer. The proper answer is uh, <laughs> a back of his hand. I don't know. On your 
wife's backside. So better sure. than the words on your wife's backside. I um, uh, I don't understand that phrase. So sorry, Jeffrey, you're wrong in this one. Don't understand that phrase at all. That phrase makes no sense. All right, final question: What did more damage to McQuaid's daughter? Is it the like the elbow <laughs> she took to the face, or is it the witness thing of the death of multiple people, including the incineration of a couple? So what is what did more damage to his daughter? I think specifically he- it was the murder of her boyfriend right in front of her just fine like like right there he would just mow down right in front of her and then she was shoved off a cliff okay off of like not, not not like a super high cliff and like rolled down i think if i'm using this also, from a logical we, perspective we saying a casual rape scene at that point too i'm really confused it was a yeah it, it was, was a playful boyfriend girlfriend i think around. it was playful boyful boyfriend girlfriend stuff because uh, ju- judging just from her reaction her uh, if i'm judging ju- i'm looking specifically at her reaction and from that it looked playful but you're right had he not been murdered by mexican cartel people it's possible it could have escalated into something way worse so i mean honestly if you think about it maybe Maybe they were heroes. <laughs> the Mexican cartel are heroes? I don't know. Oh, my God. I'm just I never thought about doing this. some logical gymnastics with this piece of shit movie. I think that you're – I'll give you half credit because that's a very good answer. But I think – I think I should get partial uh, credit for the really I, creative answer for, for fish fishbowl goggle guy. I, I think, think I that the fact that she saw at least six people blown up by grenades – Right. Um, would do a little bit more mental damage to her. And also she witnessed someone die – in her father's arms right in front of her. Oh, well, there's um, a couple things there, because I feel like the people blowing up with grenades are bad people. Like, they're bad people, so who cares, right? Who cares? It's like, whatever. It's, you know, it's it's like when you drive past an accident on, on the road. You don't recognize the people, so you're just watching because you think it's weird and interesting. You don't get traumatized okay. by it, right? All right, I see what you're saying. Then the woman, okay, I get what you're saying there too, but also that woman was kind of a bad person as well. She did the right thing at the end and saved and saved McQuaid, but she was a little sketchy with some of her motives. So I think the idea of, of, of seeing someone she loved and cared about murdered right in front of her after just seconds prior, they were about to, to, to nuzzle a little bit. Uh, I feel like that was probably the most traumatic experience. I feel like I make a pretty good argument here. I feel like it's a pretty good argument. You know, I think you saved yourself on this. Thanks, I think buddy. I think you 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 you, you built a, a compelling argument. Um, you you brought it to the judges and sure. let's see what the ju- judges. Yeah, they say yeah. They say yeah. They, they award you the point. They gave me ten point. Wow, ten points from the Russians. No, that's I great. See, I saw one. I know. I saw but, that's, you know, a, that's a ten point from the Russians. So that gives you a one. Uh, Plus seven five. It's a point point seven five. I think I, I think I get a point five. I think I should get a point five for fish gold goggles for really going off the board and doing a career. I, I think I, I deserve. Full point. I rewarded you a full point for last. I episode, think so I, I deserve it though, just because it's been three weeks so and I, I watched this movie three it. weeks ago and you really didn't give me a whole lot to work with. I'm just saying. I three think I deserve point it. Seven five. Okay. So there you go, my friend. Okay. Excellent. All right, so Justin, we're not. Uh, so Justin and I decided we're not going to really do. Uh, we're going to take a little break from gentlemen's challenge stuff, just because uh, I think we're just a little tired of watching awful movies. Now, in my defense, I gave Justin a good movie again, and I continue to give him fairly decent stuff, and he just gives me trash, and all that does is make us both cry. But anyway, uh, so we're not going to do a spin for next week. Uh, I think next week we're going to talk a little bit about Mandalorian, and then just some of the other odds and ends, because we say at the beginning of the of the episode this is a. This is a show about a lot of different things, comics, games, movies, etc. And we really haven't been doing the comics and games stuff for a while. And I think Justin and I both want to get back to that. So uh, episode 73, uh, we're going to touch on a few different things. We might come back to the challenges from time to time here and there, but uh, we're going to take a little wee bit of break from it. 
Uh, so anyway, we haven't been on uh, at least an episode for a while, so it's good to be back recording. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, if you like hearing us talk about really awful Chuck, Mor- Chuck Norris movies, uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Lollygagger Co. You can catch Justin on Twitter at Buys Justin. You can catch us both on our website, thelollygaggers.com, where you can get episodes both of this show and also of our sister show, The Adventures in Lollygagging Podcast. Uh, Justin, my final question for you as we uh, as we bail out of episode 72 or 71, whatever the hell number we are, who would win in a fight, you think, between Chuck Norris and Sean Connery? Oh, my God. I, I don't think, know, I, right? Well, what I think would actually end up happening is they would embrace each other in a lock, mm-hmm. and then do one of those things where like they're they like are getting closer, and then they just kiss. Because oh. I think okay. that the pure raw sexual power right. that Sean Connery oozes at all times it's true. would overcome the machismo and hardness mm-hmm. of of Chuck Norris. So I think they would just instead of fighting, they would maybe buy a ranch together and raise dogs. I think that's what they would do instead. So I think hips broken everywhere.